the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The last couple of days have showed us that Adam failed miserably to represent all of us, and therefore all of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. What is the answer? Well, it is in the second Adam, as we'll see today. Adam, as our first representative, failed us all. Therefore, all have died. We are in Adam's sin, dead to it, and apart from God in Christ. So what is the answer? Well, we need another representative. We get a do-over, a take-two, if you will. Our second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, came and did what our first Adam could not. And therein lies the glory and the joy that you and I have as we abound in grace found in Christ. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Here he is in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21 on today's Abounding Grace. Our focus today is in verses 15 through 17. And in these verses, we find three contrasts that help us to understand the riches of God's grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. On the one side, what do we get from Adam? We get sin, judgment, and condemnation. Verse 12, we sinned in him. The phrase at the end of verse 12, for that all have sin, can be just as easily translated in whom, that is, in Adam, all have sinned. Now, we have added many sins of our own to this route, this route of corruption. But those are not Paul's focus at this point. Because he is focusing on Adam and Christ, the two heads of the human race and their effects on our life. Adam's sin was our sin. It was the black hour in which we first rebelled against Almighty God. So that is what we get in Adam. Sin judgment, and condemnation. But on the other side, in Christ, we receive life, justification, and righteousness. Under his headship, we are delivered from the curse of our sins and reconciled to God. And we've got to keep both those sides in mind, beloved. Even if you've been a Christian for 50 years, you have to keep both these sides in mind. Why? Because we are never going to be humbled by God's grace to us in Jesus unless we're deeply convinced of our ruin in Adam. All the ancients understood this. And that is why the catechisms take seriously biblical history. Liberals do not. In fact, most seminaries do not. And that is the reason we've got cheap grace in the United States of America and throughout the West. Because if we take Adam's sins seriously, 
we can then take our Lord Jesus Christ seriously. If Adam was a myth, if Adam is just a symbol, then how do we know Jesus is not just a myth and just a symbol? You see, our flesh, our consciences know that this is not the case. We must have a real deliverance from a real corruption. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can give that to us. So when we feel within ourselves various lusts and corruption teeming within, fighting, trying to regain the supremacy, we must ask ourselves, where do these things come from? Why am I like this? Again, we must take Adam seriously because God's word explains why we are like this. And that is because in Adam, we all sin. So the more seriously we take our fall, the more joyfully we may receive salvation in Jesus Christ. And it is God who's bound these two things together. And it is perilous for us to try and separate them. If we try to have God's grace, but let's not deal with sin too much. Let's be dismissive of it. Let's especially not talk about our sinfulness in Adam. Then we are making a mockery of God's covenant and of his governing of the world. And we are pulling the rug out from under the cross because the cross has significance primarily in its connection with what Christ saves us from in Adam. It's, it's not in making you and I feel better. Jesus is not our personal Easter parade. He, he's not our Merry Christmas baby Jesus. He saves us from our corruption in Adam. He's not there just to make us feel good. But there are other problems. We wind up trivializing God's grace when we don't deal seriously with our sins. When we turn grace into a license. Hey, go ahead and sin a little bit. Curse a little bit to show your liberty in Christ. Or when we just don't want to talk about sin because we want to pacify our itching ears. No, we've got to do what God tells us to do. If we want solid and lasting joy, we've got to take Adam seriously. And we have got to take Christ seriously. But verse 15 says that grace abounds. The analogy between Adam and Christ here is negative. Notice verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Notice verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. Let me say it like this. Christ is more powerful to redeem us than Adam was to destroy us. That is the whole point here of saying this analogy is this analogy negatively. Christ is more powerful to save than Adam was to destroy us. Now, Adam did destroy us, but Christ is more powerful because the grace of God is far more extensive than the curse. 
So let's talk about this. Notice what he said in verse 15. Not as the offense, so also is the free gift. What is Paul trying to tell us? That what we lost in Adam, we gain much more in Jesus Christ. And twice in verse 15, we see God's grace. His undeserved kindness is emphasized. Why is that? Because you have to understand who you are in Adam. We forfeited any reason to expect God to ever be kind to us. We spurned his goodness. We spit on his goodness in the Garden of Eden. So when we sinned and rebelled in Adam, death began to curse our entire existence. But God looked upon us kindly in his Son. He chose us in Christ even before the foundation of the world. But I want you to pay careful attention to the most important thing I believe is in this verse. The verb tense of abounded. When he says that God's grace abounds, or you might say overflows toward us, He's not talking primarily here of the grace each one of us who knows the Savior feels in our daily lives. That's a wonderful thing. And he will talk about that later. But that is not what he is talking about here because this verb tense is an aorist. This is a past abounding that now comes to us. I think he's reminding us. That grace abounds in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on that cross. It is through the cross of our Savior. Abounding is not a feeling we have. Because the grace of God is based on something far more than our emotional state. The fountain of God's grace was opened to us through the death of Jesus Christ. And his resurrection from the dead. That is the abounding. It is as if the Lord Jesus Christ, by laying down his life for us and bearing our curse and taking our sin and our death and our condemnation in Adam, that he opened up permanently the wells of grace, like Isaiah talked about. Draw water out of the wells of salvation. Or our Lord in John chapter 5, 4 Whoever believes in me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water, grace, life, and salvation. Why? Because his blood was so powerful to satisfy God's justice, to attain our free and full forgiveness of sins that for that moment, it's like an ocean of grace has been opened up to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So even though the many died in Adam, the many also received life and salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this overabounding grace, this superabundant grace, has a lot of personal applications for us. And this is really what chapters 6 through 8 are about. But for the moment, Paul just wants us to stand here. Amazed before this wellspring. Listen, because I don't want you, any of you, to miss this today. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. 
There was nothing you could do. With Adam and with your own sins, you had rebelled against God. And on that black day, the Lord Jesus Christ took upon himself our filth. God's justice was satisfied. The earth opened up. Death already, a sign of it, being vanquished when the dead came out of their graves. The sky turned black. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That is the moment Paul is talking about here. That the rock of ages was cleft for us and grace was opened up because the Son of God shed his blood for our sins. Love, that is where grace abounds. And now it continues to flow. Do not get me wrong. I'm not saying that the only that is the only grace, but Paul wants us to see right here. There is Adam's sin in front of us. There is that black hour when judgment, death, corruption came to us. But there was another hour. And it was black hour too. But it was black in a different way. It was black because the father, instead of pouring out all of his wrath upon us, he poured it upon his beloved. His, the perfect sacrifice that was crucified for us and bore our sins and bore our guilt. Paul said, look upon that. That is where God's grace began to flow to you and abound. That is where it was secured. That is where it was sealed. Never for a moment forget what God has done for us, beloved. I think that is why the verb tense is again erased in the past here. A past historical momentary definitive act because God is reserving the cause of salvation, the origin of salvation, the praise of salvation, all for himself. I did this. I dug these wells of salvation. You deserve nothing. You are totally in my hands. All you deserve is hell, judgment, and condemnation. And it would have been totally just to have given it to you. But I opened up for you the wells of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. So understand this verse makes very clear. That this grace abounds to the one man, the one, the conqueror who came forward and defeated what Adam did for all of those who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And understand, there is no grace. There is no kindness from God to be had or expected outside of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. None. Now, this is the glory of the gospel. That God has done this for us. But it is also the offense of the gospel. Unbelieving men oftentimes don't want to hear this. Particularly in our silly day. We don't want to hear about only through Jesus. But there's no other name of their heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God shows kindness to one. To his son Jesus Christ and through him to those who believe in him. Don't expect that God is ever going to look at you with anything but a vengeful and wrathful eye. 
unless you are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't be deceived. You may be the most gorgeous person in the whole world. You may be the richest, the most powerful, the most physically strong. But if Almighty God, your maker, looks at you with a jaundiced eye, you are cursed and you may as well be dead in hell right now. He shows kindness, true undeserved grace only to those who look to him in the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be asking, what about what scripture says? where God calls the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And yes, he does that. God is kind even to the unthankful. But understand, all of those kindnesses will be repaid in the screams of hell. Because God has opened up the wells of forgiveness and of mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he who does not accept him will be damned forever. So he invites everyone here, come and drink. Come and drink of the water of life. For whosoever thirst, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and drink. Whosoever is hungry, come to him and eat because there is lasting eternal forgiveness and righteousness in no other but in him. Now verse 16 adds to the idea a little bit by again reminding us that there are only two heads of the human race, but also by the negative at the beginning of the verse showing us that what we gain in Christ far surpasses our defilement in Adam. Now by Adam's one transgression, Not only did death come to us, for we have all sinned, verse 12, but notice we also are under judgment and unto condemnation. Why join these two horrible words together? You know, it's hard enough for God to just pass the judgment of guilty. But again, God is also armed with omnipotence to cast us into everlasting hell if it's his wish away from this life-giving presence, whereas our Savior said, there's only weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that phrase mean, there's only weeping and gnashing of teeth? That that there is is bitterness and hopelessness and misery there. But listen to this verse. God's grace lifts us higher Then we sank in Adam. Not only does the blood of Jesus Christ atone for that one sin in Adam that brought our judgment unto condemnation, but the three free gift is of many offenses. Now, this is the first time we have seen this transition. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ not only atones, removes, pays for our definitive sin in Adam the corruption of our nature, our defilement in him, but also all of our actual transgressions. So Adam's one sin condemned everyone, but Jesus, the God-man, the Son of God incarnate, he not only provides justification for that one sin, but for all the offenses that all of God's people have ever committed. 
So when we read in Scripture that Jesus was made sin for us, made sin for us, understand this was not only to bear the curse we received in Adam, but it was also to provide cleansing for our personal sins. So in verse 16, the main contrast is between our condemnation in Adam for his one transgression and the justification we receive in Jesus for many offenses. Now, don't miss this. So many of our practical issues and our practical weaknesses stem from a lack of love for Christ. We want to know, well, how can I do this? Or how can I get this? Can you give me four things that can help me? I I, I know I don't have the strength to do this. Well, of course not. Because it is love for Christ that is the strength of life. Nehemiah knew that. Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not I've got three principles on how to be full of life. Beloved, if you want joy today, you've got to drink deeply of this. It is great to hear verses 15 and 16 that Jesus bore and removed, carried away by his blood, our condemnation in Adam, for which we have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him forgiveness for. But my first rebellion was not the first time I said no to my mom and dad. My first rebellion was when I said no to God in the garden in Adam. But the problem is, to Adam's sin, we have added so many transgressions of our own that we are worthy of God's wrath thousands of times each day. And fresh guilt renews the sentence of our condemnation. Because we didn't rest with that one act of rebellion against God. We didn't stop there. One sin sank our race, but we wanted to sink even more. Think of what we and, and Adam did. Adam didn't run to God for mercy after he sinned. If Adam would have had weapons in his hand with which he could have resisted God, he would have taken them up and continued the war right then and there with Satan as his head. You ask, how do I know this? What did he do? When God came down to walk and talk with Adam in the cool of the day, Adam hid. I don't want anything to do with God. God's voice had to call Adam even then out of his tomb that he was already encasing around himself as furiously as he could. I want to get away from God. I don't want to hear his voice. And from Adam to the present, this filth has flowed unabated and often with increasing force, even with us. Oh, we feel this. Do we not? Our fresh sins do nothing but pour salt upon the wound and throw more insult into the face of God that we ought to be blushing all the time. Now, remember our sinfulness... Um, uh, our sinfulness too as Christians in the face of God whom has done all of these things for us in Jesus we've got to face them squarely these many transgressions many offenses in verse 16 we are unclean filthy 
bold in sin, audacious, wayward in our thoughts and imaginations. But our Lord Jesus Christ comes forward to save us. And this ought to send us singing for a million years. And one day it will. It wasn't enough for him to bear our condemnation. And Adam, he bore the guilt, the penalty, penalty, the suffering, and the death due to us for all the sins that we committed for all of God's people for all time. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.